it's really hard uh, to be a believer in America. Not because we're persecuted, but because we're not. This morning, uh, if you came to have your ears tickled, you came to the wrong church. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about persecution. We're going to talk about personal persecution, our own persecution, and then we're going to talk about persecution overall for all believers, and then we're going to talk about the persecution in the church worldwide. So would you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us, Lord, and that you have things you want to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for each person here that you would open up their hearts, open up their ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is speaking. Open their eyes to see, Lord. I pray that you would meet each and every one in this room and in this whole building, Lord, in our time of need. And we pray for your blessing on the men and the boys who are up at man camp. Let your spirit pour out on them too, Lord. Change lives, God. We just ask that you would just be with us and and speak to us and instruct us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So... Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 3, he says that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's how we start out the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a formula or a way of living that Jesus offers us to tell us how we can be blessed. And I will say that we define blessing way differently than Jesus defines blessing. We in America somehow seem to think that you're really blessed if you have a lot of stuff or if you don't have a lot of trials. That's the blessed life. But Jesus defines blessing very differently as we're going to see that if you're poor in spirit, you're desperate for him, that that yours will be the kingdom of heaven. And then we end today with blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So today we're going to talk about persecution for the cause of righteousness sake and what that means and what the, what the kingdom of heaven means. We're going to do a little review though. First, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. So these are all built one upon the other. Each level becomes deeper and deeper and ultimately resulting in blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you, insult you, persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love how the message communicates it. It says you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. 
The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, but count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What this means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. So Daisy shared about the Warmbrand family who had a huge impact in ministering to the persecuted church worldwide. And, and I'm, I'm, I want to bring a challenge to us today. You know, we don't talk a lot about the persecuted church. And I'm going to bring you a little bit of... Um, enlightenment in this area because I think so much of the time that if it's happening over there it's not really real to us right am I right it's kind of you know well that's what's going on over there but I want to tell you a story about Padina Padina was raised as a devout Muslim she prayed throughout the day to Allah and she she tried to do everything right for Allah. As a matter of fact, several times while she was in prayer, she would stop and go and wash herself again because she felt that she was unclean and that she wasn't worthy to pray to Allah. She was devout, but yet Islam never, ever satisfied her. And she became, became increasingly depressed to the point of being suicidal. She was taking care of her mother, who was very sick, who was dying. So Padina decided she was not only going to end her own life, but she was going to take her mother's life as well to put her out of her suffering. And she was going to do this in the name of Allah. Well, while Padina was preparing to take her mother's life, her mother was watching a Christian television program where they were preaching the gospel. And the guy got on there, I don't even know the guy's name, But he got on there and he was talking about how if you have not been satisfied in your religion, that there there is a way out and there is hope. And he said, if if you're depressed and if you're broken, and even if you're on the point of suicide, please call in. We want to talk with you. We want to pray with you. So Padina's mother called the guy and had this conversation while Padina's getting ready to go murder her. She's having this conversation with this guy. And now Padina, whenever she would hear that Christians were being persecuted or killed in Iran, she was always really happy because in Iran, Christians are the infidels, the people of the book. And so they believe that we should be hurt and killed. And so Padina would always rejoice. So the fact that her mother is on the phone with this Christian guy incensed her. She was furious she came in, she, she saw her mom sitting there weeping and she was repenting and she was coming to Christ and Padina demanded that she got off the phone and her mom said, no, just please talk to this guy, talk to this guy. So Padina got on the phone and, and the guy said, man, she was so cold, she was so closed and I could just sense that she was so angry. And so I just challenged her. He said, I just told her, hey, You can end your life in a week. Why don't you give Jesus one week to prove himself to you? And then if he doesn't, then you can call in and you can end your life on my program. 
Now, I am not that brave. I, I mean, I've challenged people, you know, that God would reveal himself, but whoo, that's a pretty big challenge. So she, so she did. She said, okay. She figured, I mean, I don't have, I'm not in a big hurry, you know. So that week, she took her mom to the doctor where they got the results back from her test. And the doctor said, I don't understand this. It's a miracle. She's, she doesn't have MS anymore. She's healed. Pitina said, no, those are wrong. You must have exchanged those tests. Those are, that's not true. And he said, I, I can't explain it, but it's a miracle. And then suddenly she recognized it. And he said, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how this happened. And she said, I know how. It was Jesus. He healed her. So Padina became a Christian, and she and her mother are now ministering in Iran to the underground church. They put their lives on the line every single day because if they get caught, they will be beaten. They will be raped. They will be abused and probably killed. And so for us, you know, we get offended like when people laugh at us because we read the Bible. Or, you know, like they won't let us have a cross on our campus or whatever, you know, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but relatively speaking, we are, I'll just speak for myself. I am a wimp. I've been so convicted this week as I've been reading all of these stories of the persecuted church and of Christians who will lay their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel. And I just realized, man, I mean, I just, I just get too easily offended and I somehow think that, you know, because my LDS neighbor called the police on us because we had too many cars out in front, I was so offended. Like, wow, I'm being persecuted. It's like, relatively speaking, I'm a wimp. And my heart's been just breaking this week. You know, it says that blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what is right. In verse 10, you know, I talk to you guys a lot about uh, how much I love the original language, and I'm going to explain today what persecution is, what righteousness is, and what the kingdom of heaven is as we go forward. But I just wanted to explain a little bit about how to use the Strong's Concordance or how to use something of that nature. How many of you have computers? So there's this cool thing, it's called the internet. And what you can do is you can Type in your question and say, what is persecution? Strong's Concordance, Greek, New Testament, or whatever. Whatever you want to put in there. And then it will pop up. It will give you the Strong's Concordance number. It will tell you what the original word is, the part of speech, how many times it's used. It's such a great tool. And I know that I talk about how I love to read the original language, but I just want you guys to know that it's at our fingertips. It's so amazing that we can, we can find this. So the word that we're going to first start with is persecuted, um, which is dioko, which means to put to flight, to pursue, to persecute. More properly, it means to aggressively chase, like a hunter pursuing its prey. Um, it, is, it means um, to hunt down or to pursue with haste earnestly desiring to overtake or to apprehend. How many of us can say now that we have been persecuted? Anybody been chased, hunted down? You have? Wow, I want to hear that story. (laughs) Every five minutes, a Christian is tortured, raped, abused, or killed for their faith. 
throughout the world every five minutes. Christians are, are right now the most persecuted people group in the entire world. A hundred years ago in North Africa, 20% of the nation was Christian. Now it's down to four and Islam is beginning to take over. They, they face jail or execution. People run in, burn their homes. Christians are constantly being harassed and attacked. So we are the infidels, the people of the book, people of the cross. Do you guys remember a guy, well, some of you would remember a guy named Kamal Salim. He came and spoke here years ago. He was raised to be a suicide bomber. He was raised in a camp. When he was seven years old, they sent him off to this camp where he was trained in the ways of Islam. He was trained to kill infidels. He was trained to defend the cause of Allah from the time he was seven years old. So he came here when he was a college age to go to medical school, but actually that was just a ploy for him to come and kill the infidels. Well, while he was driving one day, he was in a really serious car accident, and the doctor that attended to him on the side of the road was a believing Christian. And he laid hands on him and prayed for him. Then when they took him to the hospital, several of his doctors were believers. And one of the doctors, as a matter of fact, said, I want you to come into my home because you're not going to be able to afford your medical bills. And because of the love that Kamal saw in this family, he became a Christian. And he now works for Focus on the Family, and he goes around and he speaks everywhere. But he said, they are being trained to kill and to persecute specifically Christians and Jews. I know that it's not politically correct to say that, but Islam is not a religion of peace. And we are the ones who are the targets if we are bold in our faith. There was a young man who, uh, he was raised in a devout Christian home. His name was Michael, and For the summer, his parents were going to send him off to go to um, be a lumberjack. And his parents were really concerned because, you know, Michael was very sheltered and he had only, you know, lived with his family and he hadn't really been exposed to the world. And so they knew, you know, the life of a lumberjack is a little, little rough. And so his parents were really concerned. Well, when Michael came back at the end of the summer, the parents were like, how did you do? How did you, how did you fare with all of that? And he goes, oh, it was fine. They didn't even know I was a Christian. Yeah. How many of us, people don't even know we're Christians? I get really convicted when I meet people that I have an ongoing relationship with. For example, people at the gym that I see on a regular basis. And they're, they're like, oh, I thought, you were, I thought you were LDS. I want to be more bold. I'm convicted. I'm ready. I want to live a life of passion for Jesus, for the kingdom of God. It says in 1 Peter 2, it says, This is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you would endure? But what if you do good and suffer and you endure it? This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. 
For to this you've been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So persecution should not come as a surprise to us if we are truly living the way that we're called to live, with boldness. It says that we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So righteousness, I'm going to try to pronounce this word, dikaiosono, no, nay, somebody tell me, Kelly, Kelly at American Fork. <laughs> uh, this is the word for righteousness, which means that God is the source or the offer, but more importantly, it means divine approval. It means the, you know, the thing that God says, this is good, this is right, this is how it should be. That is what righteousness is. So let me just say, it's not persecution if your coworkers or your neighbors or your family thinks that you're weird or obnoxious or annoying. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be offensive or judgmental, but you know the guys that go down to the LDS conference and start yelling at the LDS people in the name of Jesus? I don't know that that's the spirit of Jesus. I can't imagine Jesus down there yelling at people. Can you? It says they'll know that we're Christians when they see the love that we have. That's how they're going to know. But sometimes we need to be bold and we need to defend the cause of righteousness. But I want to say, don't do this in your own strength. Don't try to do this in your own power. Know the word of God. Read the Bible be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit starts to tap on your shoulder, speak and do what he asks you to do. When you have those opportunities, speak up for Christ, for the sake of God, not for the sake of just morality. Can I just say this? It's like, you know, so many times we, we think that we're so politically oppressed. If you're just arguing politics at work or morality at work, you're not going to win anybody over to the sake of Jesus. Is that clear? Do I make myself clear? Nobody ever came to Christ. I shouldn't say nobody. I don't know. It may have happened. But it's pretty unlikely that someone is coming to Christ because you've won them over to the political side that you happen to believe in. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. It's the forgiveness that he offers on the cross. That is the good news. That is what we are supposed to present to people, not morality. Sinners sin, right? That's what they do. So when we are really persecuted, truly persecuted for righteousness sake, and I want to say, I want to be sensitive to those of you who, I know that there are several people here who you've been rejected by your family. You've been uninvited from coming to family events because of a religious system because you became a Christian. I know there are several people that go to church here. They can't even step foot on their parents' property because they're apostate. And I don't want to undermine or, or diminish that in importance at all because I know that that's really, really painful. 
And I know that the Lord is with you. The Lord is near. And he wants to heal that pain. And he wants to be near to you and be with you. And I know there are those of you who may have been ostracized or rejected at work because you spoke up for the sake of Christ. There may be those of you who were fired for the sake of being bold at work. Just make sure it's not just because you're being weird. Okay, don't blame Jesus for your weirdness, okay? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, we're fools for Christ and all of that, but make sure that it really is the Holy Spirit that's empowering you to share the gospel, not just you being annoying or religious, okay? But I want to say, when you are truly persecuted, ask yourself this. Is there any truth in what they're saying about me? For example, if they're calling you judgmental or self-righteous or holier than thou, is there anything in you that may be misinterpreted as judgmental or self-righteous or holier than thou? You know, the Bible is clear. It says that with humility comes honor. With humility. So, so make sure that when you're representing Christ and you're being bold, that you're doing so with a spirit of humility. And the last thing I want to say about that is if you are being persecuted, know that you are not alone. Do not ever question whether or not God loves you or whether or not God is pleased with you. If you are doing the work of the kingdom, it says you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. 1 John 3.13 says, Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Now, the word for brothers and sisters here is adelphoi, which means uh, fellowship. It means brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we need to understand about people like the Wormbrands or like Padina or the underground church and all of the thousands and thousands of stories that are out there about our brothers and sisters being persecuted and abused and killed. It says, in the, it says that we will be blessed and ours will be the kingdom of heaven if we're persecuted for righteousness sake. That is basilia and means kingdom or sovereignty, authority, rule. And this is always in the context of the rule of Christ, the rule of Christ in our hearts and in our lives and in our behavior. If we're children of God, we won't ever need to defend ourselves. Do you understand that? God is our defender but we do what's right. We stand up for what is right and God will be our defender. It says that we can be abused for being a Christian in Matthew 5, 11. It said, God blesses you when people, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil against you because you're my followers. I want to address um, some of the teenagers or the young people now who are on campuses where it's a little bit hostile, perhaps. It's not cool to be a Christian. I just want to say, you know what? God will be with you. God will give you what you need. He will bless you. And he will give you the words to speak. And again, I say this all the time, but one of God's favorite prayers to answer is, Lord, send me people who are hungry to hear about you. He loves to answer that prayer. He loves for us to share the truth of his word. And so 
for you young people, you students, I know it's hard. I know that it's, um, it's not fun to be rejected or ridiculed or mocked, but Jesus says you'll be blessed if you do that. Um, I remember when we were in Holland on a short-term mission and the, the, there was a group of Muslims that would follow us around and we would be worshiping. We were doing worship on the street. I wasn't playing guitar, but that's... We were worshiping. <laughs> and anyway, um, so these Muslims would always come up to us and they were spitting on us. They were throwing rocks at us. They were mocking us. They were laughing. As we'd sing, they'd yell over us. But we ended up leading two of them to Christ. And they started following us around, and we ended up having dinner with them, and it was pretty amazing. It was a pretty cool thing. And it wasn't fun at the time when they were throwing rocks at us, and we're dodging rocks, you know, and they're spitting at us. That was gross. I mean, this is not fun, but I'll tell you, man, there was something exhilarating about that. Because we were just exalting the name of Jesus, and it was so exciting. There was something so exciting about that. And I remember asking my pastor when I first became a Christian, I said, I don't know if someone put a gun to my head. I'm not sure that I, that I wouldn't deny Jesus. And he said, you know what? The Lord will give you the grace you need. That if someone puts a gun to your head and tells you to deny Jesus, God will give you the grace that you need. And I say that to you guys too. You guys in school, God will give you the grace that you need. If you're bold for him, I want to show you some statistics. Um, every month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed. 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians beatings, abductions, rapes, arrests, forced marriages. And I read several stories of young ladies who had acid thrown in their faces because they refused to wear a veil. Because they refused to deny Jesus. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him. You get this? We're heirs of Christ, provided that we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Jesus himself said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. 1 Peter 4, 12 says, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. First Peter 4.14, it says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, or as a meddler, which can also be translated gossip. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. 
Matthew 5, 12 says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The persecuted prophets. I have a whole list of them here. I, I don't have time to go into all of it, but I did my studies, and the prophets in the Old Testament, I can give you the references later if you want them. But <clears throat> moving into Jesus' disciples, So of his 12 disciples, Matthew was slain by a sword in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged through the streets of Alexandria, Egypt. Luke was hung on a tree in Greece. John was put into boiling oil, but somehow he survived, and and he was banished to the island of Patmos. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't believe that he was worthy of being crucified the same way that Jesus was. James the Greater was beheaded in Jerusalem for his faith. James the Lesser was thrown from the pinnacle of a temple and beaten to death by a club. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was crucified, and he preached the gospel from the cross to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through with a lance in East India, and Jude was shot to death with arrows. Anybody else feeling convicted? They laughed at me because I had a Christian bumper sticker. I'm being persecuted. Seems kind of pathetic, huh? Kent Hill said that there were more martyrs in the 20th century than all of the other centuries combined since Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Our brothers and sisters throughout the world are suffering. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing The same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's good news, huh? After we have suffered a little while, he will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. The top nations in the world where it's illegal to practice Christianity are North Korea. That is the most difficult nation in the world to be a Christian. Somalia, if you are a Christian in Somalia, you will be killed. Afghanistan, Pakistan, Sudan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Yemen. It goes on and on and on. There's the world watch list that you can go and look into. And our Christian brothers and sisters, our Adelphoi, are being persecuted. Hebrews 13.3 says, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those who are being mistreated, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. I just want to get really real with you guys. Um, you know, as I've been studying this, it's been so it's been so heavy on my heart. And uh, 
you know, ever since Eric passed, I don't really have another purpose in life other than just to glorify God. And so, of course, it was hard for me. I kind of debated, wow, this message is so heavy. But we cannot deny what's going on in the world because our brothers and sisters are suffering. There is the persecuted church, and we have a responsibility. You know, one of the biggest obstacles to being a Christian is comfort. We love our comfort. And I, I love my bed. Every night I thank God for my bed. <laughs> But I just want to challenge us today. You know, the time is short. It says, make the most of your time. These days are evil. There is the increase of wickedness. What are we doing? What is it that's so important that we're not being bold for the gospel? There are people everywhere around us going to hell. And what are we doing about it? Do your coworkers know that you're a Christian? Do your neighbors know? Would they be surprised if they found out? I, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you. I'm just saying, I stand here with you, so convicted, wanting to do something. I want to, I want to increase. I mean, I don't have a plan B for my life. I'm a woman on a mission, and I want to see the kingdom of God expanded. Do you? Is that what you want? I know, <clears throat> I know this was a, a heavy message. It was a deep message, but I believe that God is calling us to a deeper level with him, a deeper level of commitment to a life of purpose, to a life that's not futile, but a life that is lived on purpose. And passionately to see his kingdom expanded. Do you call yourself a Christian? You call, do you call yourself by the name of Jesus Christ? Then he's calling you to a deeper level. He's calling you to pray for your brothers and sisters throughout the world who are suffering. He's calling you maybe to give money, maybe to write letters. And he's calling you to step it up in your own life to be more bold, to share the gospel with those who are lost and broken and dying. Just want to encourage you guys. I know that I know that it's heavy, but I also know that the heart of God, it said in that song, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. Let's just bow our heads and I'm just going to ask you to respond. If, if you want to go deeper, if you want to be more passionate for Jesus, if you want to give yourself fully for a life of purpose, can you just lift up your hands as a sign that you want to surrender? God, we want to surrender to you, Lord. We don't want to live lives of futility, God. We don't want to be so distracted by our own comfort, God, and by the petty things that just keep us from living for you, living fully for you. God, forgive us for those things. Forgive us for being distracted by, by uh, our stuff, by our wealth. Let us be poor in spirit so we can understand what your kingdom of heaven is. Lord, let us be persecuted for righteousness sake. Let us be bold. Let us proclaim, God, your truth 
in this lost and dying world, God. Your word says that we should preach the gospel boldly, that that is what we're called to. Give us words to speak. Send us people who are hungry, God. We want to share you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to challenge you to this week, do something extravagant. Lose your life for the sake of the gospel somehow. Do something, be generous to someone. You know, pray for someone who you can see is broken. Just want to call us to to take that next step, to be passionate for Jesus. And I want to say, if there's anyone here, if you have never made a commitment to Christ, if you have never received his forgiveness, I'd like to have a conversation with you. But... If that's you, if you could just maybe slip your hand up, everybody else just will be so excited. I just want to pray. I want to ask you guys, I want to challenge you. Christian, share your faith. Share the gospel. People are dying. If you're persecuted, you will be blessed, and yours will be the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. I'll see you next week. I love you guys.